Good morning, Living Hope Columbus family. So glad that you guys could tune in with us today. Glad you could join us online. Some of our church families now worshiping out in the parking lot. And uh, so we're one church, two locations this morning. My name's Aaron Taylor. I get to serve as the teaching pastor here at Living Hope Columbus. And uh, I'll go ahead and just tell you up front, uh, a couple days ago, I hurt my lower back really bad. And so I'm in a lot of pain right now. So if you see me wincing, if you see me passing out or anything like that, Pastor Joe's just going to pick up where I left off. And uh, hopefully I will be able to, uh, to, to go through this today. So that is not fun. I feel like a 104-year-old man right now, but that's okay. Well, hey, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13 is where we're going to be today as we're in week five, uh, one more week of our series that we're calling Asking for a Friend. Asking for a friend where we took questions that people in our church submitted and we try to frame these in from a biblical worldview. And uh, today we're covering a topic that this will be our second year covering this and it'll probably be a reoccurring topic that we address each year. But it's that age old question of why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, Many of us have wrestled through this topic before. Uh, I even just looked past at the past seven days of what uh, certain things that are going on in my family and um, been wrestling with this topic pretty closely this week, uh, just as, as things are going on around us. And I'm sure you have too. So let's stand together in honor of reading God's word wherever you are, unless you're driving in your car, listening to the radio, please do not stand because that is dangerous. All right. Luke chapter 13, we're going to read verses one through five. And God's word says this, at that time, some people came and reported to Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus responded to them, Do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Or those 18 that the Tower of Siloam fell on and killed, do you think that they were more sinful than all the other people who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, Jesus says this, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this honor and privilege that we have today to study your word as a church family. Whether we're online, whether we're outside at the church parking lot, Lord, whether we're listening later, wherever we are, Father, thanks for this privilege that we have. May we never take it for granted. Jesus, as we tackle yet another difficult subject today, God, I pray that you give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, and hands and feet to live this truth out, Lord. As as Peter says, to always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is within us. We know Jesus has changed us, Father. Therefore, we're not going to be afraid to tackle the hard stuff. God, I pray that you give us soft hearts today. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I've had the honor over the past several years, over these last seven or eight years, to travel to Africa on a number of occasions. And honestly, it's one of my favorite places on the planet, second to the country that we live in. If I could live at any other place on planet Earth, I would go and live in Africa. And on my second trip, about six or seven years ago, we were on this island in the middle of Uganda, in the middle of Lake Victoria. And during a break from one of the teaching sessions that I was teaching that morning, uh, one of the people there, one of the, the natives to that island came up to me and he asked me this question, what is snow? And it was interesting because these individuals, many of them have lived their entire lives on this single island. They've heard of snow from other people that had visited from different places around the world. And so they were curious, what is snow? And it really seems like a simple question, right? 
It's not a simple question to answer because how do you explain the concept of snow to somebody who has literally lived their entire life on one island They've lived on this one island in the middle of a giant lake, and they've never left it before for the past 30 or 40 years. And they also live in a spot where the temperature has never, in their entire existence, gotten below 80 degrees. How do you explain snow to somebody like that? And when I tried to, these were simply the the words I used. Snow is cold, hard water. And it's white. (laughs) I didn't know what else to say to these individuals because it was just gonna, it was gonna be lost on them no matter how hard I tried to explain the concept of snow. And even when I did, they simply had more questions and they were more confused than when they asked the initial question. That's exactly how I feel covering this topic today. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's a question that if you study history, has reverberated in the minds of philosophers. It's reverberated in the minds of theologians for literally thousands of years. And so for us today to try to provide a conclusion or some sort of resolution to this question in the next 20 or so minutes is going to be quite the task. And I think, honestly, if I'm being transparent with you today, I think we're going to leave with more questions than we started with, but I think that's going to be a good thing for us today. Because no matter how long we tend to wrestle with this question, we'll wrestle with this for the next few minutes today, I don't think we're really going to find a clear answer to the question, why do bad things happen to good people on this side of heaven? But I also think that as Jesus followers, it's important that we wrestle through this, that we kind of walk through the tension of this question today. And my prayer and my hope is, this was my prayer and hope last year when we walked through this as well, is that even when we don't understand something, even when we still have questions, even when we don't have all the answers, that we still leave with a deeper hope in heaven and a deeper trust in Jesus. So let's jump right into this topic. Here's the reality. We cannot deny evil and suffering exist in this world. Here's a few examples that I I know I've experienced and seen in the last 12 months that I'm sure you've seen these things too. I've heard of senior citizens here in, in this area where we live that got swindled out of thousands and thousands of dollars due to phone scams that they gave into. That's evil. We've all seen men, women, and children, some even close to our church family, that received uh, unexpected cancer diagnosis this past year. That's suffering. We've all seen people that have recklessly, without cause, taken the lives of other individuals, other innocent people all over our nation. The list goes on and on. We could give countless examples of evil and suffering that are present in our world. And with each one, the more I wrote these down this week, the more I realized that my heart just aches and it breaks for heaven. Because you exist for just a short period of time on planet earth and we quickly learn tragedy abounds, evil exists, suffering is real. And then it begs the question, why do bad things happen then to good people? That question frustrates me. The more I've thought about it, the more frustrating I get with it. Because we see injustice in the world, and what do we want to do? We want to do something about it. We want to fix it. 
We want to reconcile this question. We want to provide a solution to something that is really a tough thing to process. But I think, the more I thought about it this week, I don't think the question that we really want to answer is why do bad things happen to good people? I think that's a good starting point. But I think that when you begin to have a conversation about this question, maybe this week you're going to have a conversation with your spouse or a friend or a roommate about this question, why do bad things happen to good people? I don't think that's the question that we want answered. I think truly the question that you and I want answered when we ask that question is this. How could a loving God coexist with evil in this world? That's what we struggle with. Because when we really begin to really tear apart that and deconstruct the question of why do bad things happen to good people, those are the two truths that we know exist, that those are real. And we want to figure out how could a loving God and evil and suffering and all of those things actually coexist in this world because they seem to be opposites. How could they work together? And I think that's a good starting point for us to resolve our question today. Hey, here's three things I know to be true, and then we'll get to our points. First off is this. We know that based on the authority of God's word, that God is good. God is good. If you're a note taker, I'd write that down. Psalm 25 verse 8 says this. David wrote that the Lord is good and the Lord is upright. That's pretty cut and dry. Therefore, he shows sinners the way. We know, truth number one, that God is good. Here's the second truth that we know to be true. That God is all-powerful. God is all-powerful. Job in Job 11 verse 7 said this. Can you fathom the depths of God? Can you fathom the depths of God or discover the limits of the Almighty? God has none. Why? Because he is all-powerful. So we know God is good. We know God is all-powerful. And then here's the third truth, and this is where it gets a little more difficult. We also know evil exists. Read Genesis chapter 3 through that whole chapter, starting chapter 2. Read through all the way through Genesis 3, and you'll see evil playing out in our world. But here's, here's, here's the tension, and we're going to we're going to have to muck through this stuff today. Well, we know those three things to be true. God is good. God is all-powerful. And evil exists. In our minds, as we try to reconcile the question of how do bad things happen to good people or why do they happen, we think that only two of those three things can actually coexist together. Think about it this way. Just stick with me here for a second. If God is good, which we know he is, he would want to prevent the evil that happens in this world. But because he doesn't or he can't, God must not be good. If he can't prevent the evil, then God must not be all-powerful. Only two of the three can really coexist is the way that we typically think. Or maybe this is true. Maybe God is all-powerful, Job 11 verse 7 but maybe God doesn't want to prevent evil in this world. Therefore, the conclusion naturally is, well, then God must not be good. You see how when we try to reconcile all of these things that are true, that we really struggle, how can all three of these coexist together? I want us to feel the weight of, of this stuff. We're going to walk through three points really quick. Here's point number one, that evil does exist. We're just going to state things that are true today. Evil does exist. 
When God created you and I, when God created human beings back in the book of Genesis, God created us with the ability for decision making. It means we have the ability to rationalize, we have the ability to think, and we have the ability to reason. Genesis 1.27 says that we are the only creatures that were created in the image of God. Part of the image of God in us is our ability to rationalize, think, reason, the ability to make decisions. God did not create you and me to be robotic human beings who just love him because that's what we're supposed to do. Rather, we have the ability to choose to love and obey our creator. As a result of that, with the ability to choose, we read in the book of Genesis that what is known as the fall of man, that's the common term for it, occurred. You see, Genesis chapter 3 says that God gave Adam and Eve, the first two human beings, a very simple command. Do not eat from a certain tree in the Garden of Eden. Just leave that one alone. Everything else is yours. You simply leave that one alone. There wasn't anything special about that tree. I think it was just God giving them a specific command. But God also gave them the ability to choose. Would they obey God completely or would they disregard God and do what they wanted to do? Insert sin. Sin came into the world right there because mankind made a decision in that moment that rather than obey God fully, we would first choose ourselves, worship ourselves, set ourselves up as Lord of our own lives. And through that simple act of disobedience, our relationship with God was completely severed. Thus begins the slippery slope of evil and sin and suffering in this world. You see, what God declared good in Genesis 1 verse 31 was now inclined and bent towards evil. That includes you and I. Because of that moment where Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, chose to separate themselves from him, the Bible says that you and I feel the weight of this are no longer good. We're not good people. We're not, none of that is true about us. We are not good people. Romans chapter 3 verses 10 through 12, Paul really wrestles through that. Paul says that because of sin, because of what happened in Genesis 3, now in Romans 3, we are not considered good. Now, listen to this. This is important. We can do good things occasionally. I have the ability, just as you do, to do good things. But there's a difference. Doing good things doesn't make me good. There's an internal thing that makes me good. And because of sin in this life and in this world, internally, I'm not good. You and I are not good. Hey, let me add this real quick, because I think with what we're seeing going on globally right now with so many things, we need to uh, address this. I truly believe with all my heart, and I think we can make a biblical argument for this, that there are some sins that are more hideous acts in the eyes of God than others. I think there are some individuals across this planet that are willfully performing sins and willfully performing and doing things globally that are absolutely evil that they're doing out with just without a heart of repentance. And here's what I do know, that while I'm evil and they're evil and God is going to judge everyone on that last day, I truly do believe that there are some people that willfully, without any repentance, are doing things in this world that God is going to make sure that they pay for. I know we see things going on in our, our world right now, and we see so many different perspectives of things that are going on, and we don't need to get into all of that this morning. And we hear this truth that you and I are evil, and then we see what they're doing, and we say, well, I'm not as bad as them. That's not the, that's not the discussion today. 
God's going to take care of evil in this world, but we first have to acknowledge that we are evil human beings. We are sinful, Romans 3 chapter says. We are separated, Romans 3 chapter says. And I, I know that's heavy, and I know we don't like to hear that because we think to ourselves, oh, I do good things. I get it. I get it. But the Bible calls us evil. Here's our second point. Pain and suffering, they exist in this world. Now, we'll follow, with, follow with me here. There's two kinds of pain and suffering that, that happen in this world. The first is those that happen by natural means. There's, there's suffering and pain that's a result of natural circumstances in this world. So think of things like earthquakes. We've seen those recently. Tsunamis. We've seen those recently. Storms, sickness. Those are things that occur by natural means. Now, there's a second kind of pain and suffering that happens that's a result of human means. That would be things like mass shootings, which we've seen in our nation. Things like terror attacks, violence in general, things that are invoked by human beings. But here's what's interesting. How did Jesus respond to, do, to those things? This has always fascinated me in the scriptures. Luke chapter 13, that passage that we read. Jesus is asked the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And I want us to see how he responded to this because he doesn't respond the way I think that we want him to. Look at verse 1 again, Luke 13. At that time, some people came to Jesus and they reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. What's going on in this first verse? From what we can gather, again, we don't have a lot of historical stuff surrounding this passage. There were some group of Galileans that were worshiping at the altar, and out of nowhere, we see that Pilate apparently sent in a group of soldiers, and he completely wipes out all of these worshipers without cause. They were just worshiping God. Pilate sends them in and has all of these individuals killed. There was no reason. We, we don't know anything surrounding this. All we know, they were worshiping, and now they were dead. Evil and suffering on full display in this verse. The reporters of this event actually come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, it was so bad and it was such a massacre that happened when they were worshiping that the blood of these worshipers actually mixed with the blood of the sacrifices because this was such a tense and terrible and horrific situation. And so they come to Jesus looking for a solution to our question, why do bad things happen to good people? Those were good people. Pilate had them killed. Why did that happen? How does Jesus respond in verse 2? He says, do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all the other Galileans? This was a common thought process in the Jewish mind. Because they suffered these things. Hey, we tend to do this too. Sometimes in our reconciliation of suffering, we try to tie tragedy to sin. We say this tragedy occurred because this person sinned in this way. Therefore, they're just reaping the result of their decision. That's typically our thought process. What does Jesus say? Be careful. It doesn't always play out that way. We do see times in the Old Testament where that was the result, and I think we can sometimes see that's the result of tragedy and suffering in our lives, but it's not always that way. It doesn't always play out that way. Sometimes tragedy, suffering, evil around us simply happens because there's evil people in this world. What Pilate did was evil. That's it. Pilate was a hideous, evil person who chose to massacre these people. What did they do wrong? Nothing. They didn't do anything wrong. Pilate's evil. Therefore, suffering resulted. That's it. That's where Jesus leaves us with that. That was human means of suffering. Look at the second part. He brings us then to natural means. 
Remember, we said there's two kinds of evil in the world, human and natural. Here's the natural one, verse 4. Or the 18, that the tower of Siloam that fell on and killed, do you think that they were more sinful than all the other people who lived in Jerusalem? Again, we don't know about this event. There's not much historically surrounding it. All we know is that a random tower fell. We don't know why. Could have been through old age. There could have been an earthquake of some kind. But all we know is there was 18 people who were present who suddenly and tragically lost their lives. You see, what Pilate did was caused by human means. What happened here at Siloam was caused by natural means. There's a difference there. And we could go down through history and we could name names of individuals who have existed throughout history that caused tragic, horrific events. Some people doing this under the the shadows of darkness, doing terrible things to other individuals. just tragic. And when Jesus is confronted with this question, he doesn't seek to give a solution. And that frustrates me. And I think it'll frustrate you if you really think about it. He does not seek to give these people an explanation for the evil and suffering that's taking place. Jesus does not spend a a full discourse going, oh yeah, actually, let me explain that to you. What does he say? Evil exists and suffering exists. We're sinners, and that's just true. He doesn't provide a conclusion for this. Hey, if you're a note taker, I want you to write this down because this is where Jesus does point us. While he doesn't provide the solution, he does provide us with something that, man, if we miss this, we're going to miss the whole point of today. The Bible marvels at grace more than it seeks to reconcile suffering. I'm going to say that again. The Bible marvels at grace more than it seeks to reconcile suffering. We're all sinners. We know that. Suffering affects us all. We know that. It affects those that we love and we care about. We know that. We feel that in our hearts. And while we can't provide the perfect conclusion because Jesus himself does not give us one to this, what does he do? Jesus points us back to the grace of a good God. Even when God doesn't seem good, he's good and he's still graceful. Even when God doesn't feel good, he's good and he's graceful to us. Even when the circumstances around me does not seem like he is a good God, he's good and he extends grace to me. Jesus does not focus on the suffering, instead points us back to the grace of a good God. So what do we do with this this morning? That's our third point. Look at verse 5. What does Jesus tell them in response to their question? Hey, Jesus, why does bad thing, why does it happen to good people? These people weren't doing anything and Pilate killed them. These people weren't doing anything and the tower fell over. Natural means, human means, suffering existing in this world. What do we do with it, Jesus? Look what he says in verse 5. Repent or you're going to perish too. What? Jesus, there's evil and suffering in the world. God, what do we do about it? Repent or you're going to perish too. You see how Jesus doesn't provide an answer to the question. Instead, he allows us to marvel at the grace of God. What's the response of suffering for you and I? It's repentance. The response to suffering is repentance. Jesus says, when you see suffering in this world, you go back to personal repentance. Why? I want you to think about this this morning and write this down. Because if I'm willing to fix the evil that's found in me, Romans chapter 3, we talked about that. 
I'm going to be more apt to do something about the evil around me. Christian, that's the conclusion to our question today. Why do bad things happen to good people? We don't know. Sin. We can say not all people are good, Romans 3. We get that. We all understand that. But where does Jesus lead us to conclude this question? Repent. Fix the evil in you. And then what? Do something about the evil around you. Because if you and I are willing to confront our own sin, then we will finally be willing to be part of the solution in confronting sin, suffering, and evil around us. And it's frustrating because I know it doesn't reconcile the question the way that we want it to. But what did we say at the very beginning? I gave you the answer before we got to the end. We can't reconcile the question this side of heaven. It's an impossibility. Because the solution to the question is only found in heaven. The solution that we so desire to a question that we wrestle so hard with is only found in heaven. But Jesus reminds us of this truth, and I'll close with this and we'll pray. As an ambassador of a heavenly kingdom, I've repented of my sin, and I'm going to continue to do that every day. When I see suffering, it serves as a reminder to repent and marvel at the grace of God that was extended to me in the midst of suffering and evil in this world. And then that should motivate me to speak out, to do something about the evil in this world, to take truth to the dark places, to take hope to the suffering world, to go in with the person of Jesus to people that are broken and they're lost and they're hurting because the only fix to the question is Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, thanks again for this day. Father, for the privilege and opportunity we've had to gather around your word. God, even with a question that can cause us to be frustrated, God, I pray and we re that we rest in the truth of your goodness. That God, even though we're, we're gonna have a hard time, Lord, even as we think about this throughout the rest of the week, God, because we, we want a solution. Jesus, that's not where you pointed us. You pointed us to repent. To repent personally and then be the solution to the problem. You've mobilized an army of believers, God, to be truth and hope and a difference in this world. And God, I pray that that's what we do this week. Thanks for your word, Jesus. God, I pray that it goes from the ears of your people to our hearts and causes us to chase you more this week. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray.